Welcome to the Cosmic Circle, the official podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. I'm Isla Ruby. We have an amazing show today, and we are going back to our roots. We're chatting about the god of mischief, Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki. Uh, season two of the Disney show just started this week, and we have a lot of feelings to share. I'm joined by two of my very favorite people as guests, Anthony Flagg and Uday. Howdy, howdy. Hey, everybody. So there are going to be spoilers because that first episode just premiered and we're going to be talking some very uh, big details about it. You may want to prune yourselves before we get too in-depth to the conversation. So it's been two years since Loki and the TVA have been on our screens. Were you guys excited about it? Um, Did you not care? What are your feelings? Of course I did. Uh, Remember the whole stinger was at the end of season one that we got season two and like nobody saw that coming it was just like hey by the way so that was a lot of hype it was just kind of like kind of a given with how the ending of the first one ended i mean you can't just throw a loki in front of king and be like yeah that's it so but no i've been waiting for loki all year i'm glad it came a little bit earlier uh here in october so i wasn't that like excited for season two um i mean i really loved the ending of season one but I had kind of mixed feelings on season one as a whole, not in like an it was bad way, just more of a I didn't really care way because Loki's never been one of my favorite characters. But ever since I saw the trailer for season two, I was always super, super excited because to me, like just based on the trailers for season two, I could tell that having a second season was so vitally important for a Disney Plus show because you could build up so much from season one. And I definitely feel that like just one episode in, even though I didn't like parts of season one, they've created such a strong foundation for season two that you can just go nuts right from the beginning. And so I'm really, really excited. So I was excited at first. I think Loki was one of the first or was it the first Disney plus Marvel show? I forget. It was not. No, it was was the third. It was the third. Okay. So there was Wanda. There was Falcon. Falcon. All right. And then. Put some respect on Wanda's name. I know. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, Brian, if you're listening to this. I I don't mean to, for, you know, forget WandaVision. But it was one of the originals, right? It was something that we knew One of the first coming. announced things, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we were excited about. And I really loved season one. Um, but it's been a lot of time, you know, two years, I guess, since season one was out. And Ant-Man came out in the meanwhile. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, that kind of made me less excited about season two, which is terrible because I love Tom Hiddleston. Um, but everything surrounding that just dampened my interest. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised by this, and I feel like I'm back into it and excited again. Um, so what did you guys think of this episode? It was a great opener for starting off a second season, you know. Uh one thing about episode one of season one was that you had like that 20 minute section where they were recapping pretty much all of Loki's life and it felt like it ran a little long. This one really had a lot of pace to it. And I think it's also because you had the action of him trying to, you know, race the clock to get back in time with the temporal loom. But for opener, great, great start. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't love the Loki premiere like of season one, but I think season two was really strong. And I think a lot of things happened, a lot of interesting things happened, and no offense to Disney+, Plus, but that's kind of surprising to me because I feel like they really spend half of their six-episode seasons just slowly plodding along 
and then they get to the meat of the show at the end of episode five and then there's never enough time to wrap everything up so honestly when we saw those shots of mobius in like the time or in the temporal loom and everything in the trailer i thought that those were all scenes that were happening either in the finale or towards the end of the season so to have all of that happen in the first episode has made me really excited for where the show is going to go from here because i wasn't expecting disney plus to to start off a season with such a bang they really i think excelled at getting that ticking clock and getting that sense of urgency, which is, I think, like you guys said, something that was missing maybe from that first, um, that first premiere, that first season and, and other, um, other Disney plus shows. And, you know, where we know Kang is supposed to be the big bad moving forward, right? There's the Kang dynasty, um, movies coming out. Like we know this is a threat, especially with how, um, how season one ended so we feel um we feel loki's worry we feel his his concern and i think that helps propel the episode forward it doesn't really although we get to see some more um there's a lot of character building and we get to see a lot of things that we didn't see in season one that i want to talk about like the tva in much more depth that doesn't drag it all feels like it belongs and i think it really is um very well done were there any um was there anything that really stuck out for you guys that just that you want to draw attention to anything that was like a great moment a worst moment what were the highlights of this episode for you I like seeing the background on on the actual workings, like the mechanical, like literal, this is how it works, it, you know, the temporal loom, a little bit of explanation in it, learning kind of technical words and learning time slipping. Um, I'm also a Doctor Who fan, not as big as some of the other people, but, you know, I, I did watch it as it was coming out with David Tennant. And so like that famous timey-wimey thing, I love that episode. And what's funny is, while I was watching Loki, it made me think of that episode of the angel one, because basically there is a moment where he sends someone back in time to send a warning to themselves in the future in the same vein that Loki had a conversation simultaneously with OB and OB had the conversation with Mobius. Like, I, I know it's kind of lame, but those like that frame and 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 concept it was just really funny and and well executed i mean they picked perfect casting for obi yeah i am just so happy that we have real time travel because that was one of my biggest problems with the first season is that loki was sold as a time travel show from the beginning you know the very first concept art from the series was loki in like 1970s new york uh all of the trailers sold it as a time travel show and they technically time traveled, but it's like they went to like what four different places on like Earth and then on and then one on Lamentis. And they really could have been in any time period. You know, like yeah. the time travel in season one did not it was just like going to new places. It wasn't really going to new times. They went and... to the future for Roxon, then they went back to the past for Vesuvius, and then they had one more. They also went back in time for France to chase her when they were looking for it. I mean, they did, but like it was so brief. I know what you're saying. Like, they didn't, like, spend time there. I yeah, think... no, they didn't spend any time there. And it's like, like, I, I feel like the time periods that they went to didn't really matter. So, like, like the apoc right. like the Roxxon apocalypse was interesting. But, like, Lamentis in 2077, like, okay, that could have been any planet anywhere at any time. 
Like, yeah. and I feel the same way about like that Renaissance fair they went to in and, 1985 or something. Yeah. And then they spend five minutes in, not even five minutes. They spend one minute in France. They spend one minute in Pompeii. Mm-hmm. So, one of the one of the cool things I think about the idea of time travel and why it, it's got like such an appeal in science fiction, right? Is because you can see, okay, so your characters are back in time or forward in time and they're affecting the future or they're affecting the past. And we didn't get that in, in those earlier moments that you, you know, you just called attention to. And I think you did get that threat here. You did get that, um, that affecting the future here. And we saw it in that episode or in that, um, that moment with ob and you know his with the butterfly effect yes exactly literal well, yeah. butterfly effect <laughs> well and and he was remembering those moments right he they needed the temporal aura thing i'm f- totally forgetting on the name and the extractor yes the extractor, extractor. yeah and yeah. Like, yes. he's remembering it as it's happening in these i don't know that was like a really cool time travel trope. it's just so sci-fi like i mm-hmm. love sci-fi and that's what i was saying earlier like doctor who and and those concepts exactly yeah yeah so like so that's what i really loved about this episode that you know i could tell from the trailers that we were going to get like more real time travel this time and then i'm happy that we got so much of it just in the first episode and that also goes back to the tva like i loved learning about the past of the tva that's such an interesting twist and it's like the way it was written it's like you don't even realize what a twist that is because mm-hmm. as things were happening, I was like, I was like, wait, like he's in the past, but like the TVA doesn't have a past, right? Because it's timeless. And then you get the phone call with like him and Ravona. Um, and I'm like, like, this is just, it, it's just so good. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm here for. And that's the kind of stuff I didn't think we'd be getting in the very first episode. There is so much that happened in the TVA that we need to talk about. Like that phone call. Are you talking about the phone call between Ravona and yeah. Kang? Yeah. Yes. Like that happened. There, so there was a relationship in the comics. I did not read the Loki comics, so I don't know about this relationship, but I've heard other people talk about it. Um, they were involved. They were plotting with each other. And like, is that what this phone call is going to hint at? What do you think? I think it is because I wrote a theory piece. It was one of my first articles for the site back in 2021 because we launched right in July of 2021. And my theory was that uh, Renslayer was working with Kang the whole time, like even as a judge of the TVA. And so like every ruling she handed down was like to help his overall plan. And that obviously ended up not being true because in reality, she was mind wiped and didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about Kang. But I love that she has a history with him. So she used to know about him. And I think that's why she's so dead set on finding the man behind the curtain, right? She's Mm -hmm. not content to just move forward and try to fix the TVA like Mobius. Like she needs to find the person that started it all. And I think after episode one of season two, it's really clear that even if her memories have been wiped over and over again, there's something in the back of her head that's telling her that she like needs to be with Kang. And so I'm really wondering what's going to happen when they get together. I think that's with Mobius as well. You know, you said that their memories have been wiped and that that's been a big theme for for these characters. But I do think that there is something just that maybe we're going to have unraveled. Like with with Mobius and the jet ski thing, I think we're going to learn more about this character. Like before he was wiped and, you know, brought to the TVA and the same with her. I think that'll be interesting. 
the one thing that I don't understand about Ravona right now is that if she so if she's Ravona Renslayer and she's King's like love interest mm-hmm. partner in crime whatever then how is she also a teacher on earth in 2018 Ohio as we saw in the finale of season one like I guess I don't understand how variants can be such different people because we haven't seen variants being such different people you know like yeah. all the Doctor Stranges we saw became Doctor Strange all the Peter Parkers we saw became Spider-Man even the domestic Wanda and Multiverse of Madness still had powers and so I don't understand how a variant of Ravona Renslayer has a different name and became a teacher. Well, I wonder if that variant went back in time. I feel I feel like you can almost explain anything with time travel because she's in the comics. She's from 40th century Earth, right? Yeah, I, I think, think she's from the future. So what if she went back and settled much like it seems um, Sylvia is doing on, you know, Sylvia's in, in Oklahoma make, and she says she wants everything, right? She wants a life. I wonder if that Renslayer has done that with 2018 Ohio. I like that theory. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One thing, since we're talking about the TVA in general, is the war room. I I was very interested in the fact that that exists and that they have a general (laughs) that had a bunch of medals and ribbons. I mean, like, you don't just get handed. I mean, okay. Sometimes (laughs) you you do just get them handed to you. But in this case, I'd imagine that the general had earned some of them by doing something. If you look really closely, I think they have little king faces on them like on the on the brass part before the ribbon starts coming down because you know oh. it'll have like the brass part where it attaches and yeah. then a little piece of you know the color but yeah i swear i saw like little king faces so i'm just curious like he was handing them out y'all just kind of forgot it's like the dude's just pinned on there and they take the moment and he prunes the wall and shows them the big king thing with the faces like i really want to see how this plays out when they all figure it out because you know this is kind of like almost a religious thing like it's mm-hmm. a test of faith for them because for them the timekeepers are these benevolent big people and they're told hey you even saw that they were robots and it's like don't don't no just no 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 you didn't see nothing you saw nothing just just carry along so but they're saying that the the underlying principle still you know matters right even if the whole thing that underpins their faith doesn't yep. isn't quite real they're saying we're going to keep this course we're going to and the message remains the same exactly it was just so fascinating seeing the literal bit where you were seeing all the branches going in i really enjoyed that because i'm a visual person yeah hearing it is one thing but literally seeing it kind of play in was really awesome the production design the props like everything for this show i feel like nothing was phoned in in this season this opener it was all just it felt cinematic and I've, i've said that before with things but i felt in this case it felt really really high quality um like you could watch it on a big screen and it would have been okay yeah Ooh, you're giving me thoughts of wanting to put that on my projector that'd be pretty <laughs> cool yeah. yeah you should do that yeah but i it really was great seeing a little bit beyond just these rooms full of files and technical documents like seeing the nitty-gritty of it and being around ob who's a technician who's very intelligent and my favorite part is that he wrote the book. I wrote it myself, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. His joy the whole time was just infectious. Well, we got, yeah. we got much deeper into the TVA and we got to see OB. We got to see um, his workshop and, you know, the the work orders were piling up. They couldn't yeah. be stopped. What did you think about? And this was uh, Kihui Kwan, the, the Oscar winner now, who is just an amazingly talented actor. Um 
from everything everywhere all at once and indiana jones i, I think the one of the early indiana jones yeah he was short round the first yes, one yes um what did you think about his character? What did you think about, you know, what it means? And you've said like, it was a joy to see him on screen. Can you talk more about that? Both of you. I think that he's a really exciting addition to the cast. His joy is definitely infectious. I feel like that's just Kehui Kwan in general. Like, like, you know, all these pictures he's taking with celebrities. I feel like he just has such a positivity and light that he brings to the world. And I feel like you can really see that whenever you look at him. And so I think he's a really good addition to the show. I think he fits in effortlessly with the other characters. Like, it doesn't really feel like he's new. Mm -hmm. I mean, his character right. has just been there in the TVA. <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly how he slots <laughs> into the show. You yeah. know, like we have Hunter B-15 and Mobius and Loki who have all worked together. And then you have OB, but it doesn't feel like OB is like a new addition to the game. So I really like that. And I do think he's super interesting. Um, again, like that whole time travel conversation was really cool. And I just, I feel like the TVA in season one was interesting, but it was so bureaucratic. And that was obviously part <laughs> of the point of the TVA, but bureaucracy is boring. And I feel like the TVA in just this one episode has gotten much more interesting between like the war room and the history and OB and the temporal loom. So I'm very excited. There's so much there, right? There's the war room. There's the, um, just, Oh, I can't believe we didn't get any of this before. This is just so much more exciting. Yeah. yeah even exactly. the little portraits of Kang has of himself. Like remember the one that shows all the different ones, basically mm -hmm. outlining the multiversal war. Like that was fascinating. <laughs> like he went back and put it up it's like the most baller thing look i control literally everything let me take photographs and put that up and just to show my victory <laughs> and then all of a sudden for some reason he decides i'm gonna hide it all mm -hmm. a fascinating fascinating thing to think about and it's not even great hiding right you once you had the little um the time stick you mm -hmm. could view it so it's not like it was it was still there it was just beneath this veneer yep um so i you know there are some other new characters and there was um you know x5 who is played by actor rafael casal i think that's how you say his name um he was in blind spotting and you know everyone you know there's like a little nod to his character being there right and he said he didn't come here often or i don't see you often something like that to mobius um and I feel like his character is going to have a very important part going forward. What do you guys think? Isn't he the one that we see in the trailers that like is wearing a suit with them or something? Yes, he's he's okay. in out yeah, of his that actor. X5 okay. gear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it seems like he's playing a part. I mean, I, I understand it's like an underlying use. I've read like five different Loki reviews, you know, ones came out, but. I don't really think about him. I just understand he's just going to be beside of the show. Really, the one I'm more interested in is the general and her motivations. And this is played by actress Kate um, Dickey. Dickey, yeah. Yeah. She was in um, Game of Thrones, I think. Well, and she and Docs were new, are both new. Docs was the guy sleeping, the general sleeping in the war okay. room, right? No, she, I think. Or she no, was she Docs. Is, general Docs. She, she is, is general Docs. Docs. Okay. Yeah, that sleeping guy. I don't know who he was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> An unnamed um, sleeping guy. Yeah, no, that that was funny though. And then but Liz Carr I, was the judge. 
yeah, Judge Gamble. Liz Carr was, I think, like, Judge Gamble is super interesting because, to be perfectly honest, when I see an old judge in a room like that, I assume that they're the one that doesn't want anything to change. So I thought that she was going to be a huge stick in the mud. And so I thought it was really interesting that she's willing to be so flexible and, like, change what she believes in. And I think that she had, like, a couple good moments there in the war room. I think General Docs is sketchy as hell. I have no idea what she's up to, but I mean, I know there have been rumors floating around about who Kate Dickey is playing that like, I won't say here because they changed it. That's not true anymore. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard from a couple other places that they've changed that, which I think is super freaking lame because I would have been super excited for it. Who was she? You know, we warned people ahead of time. There may be spoilers. Who had you heard? Um, And again, this is just rumors from the internet. We don't, we're not saying that this is necessarily true. Yeah, so I heard that Kate Dickey was playing an older variant of Sylvie. And Ooh. that was the most interesting thing to me. Like, going into season two, I'm, like, real time travel. The main villain of the show being, like, an older version of Sylvie, who is, you know, maybe, like, really unhappy and, like, evil. And so, like, then current Sylvie sees, you know, like, what she can become. I thought that the, all of that was going to be super cool. And now if she's just playing, I'm sure she's not just a random general in the TVA. Like, I'm sure there's more to her character, but I'm just like, come on. Like, I thought she was going to be Sylvie and she's perfectly cast for being an older Sylvie. So that seems nuts to me if that's been changed. There does seem to be a lot of, um, a lot seems to revolve around Sylvie, though, with the orders by, you know, her and, and everyone else at the TVA to go after Sylvie. And then, you know, they're raiding their armory They're They've got these hunters going off to to get her and try to maintain the sta- status quo. Do you think there's anything that plays into that with with this general? Well, I thought it was that the general is an older variant of yes. Sylvie. And so she wanted to, like, I don't know capture her make sure she stays evil you know do that classic thing like in the lego movie too where the villain was emmett from the future and he kicked emmett under the washing machine to make sure that he had a terrible (laughs) life and grew up to become him that's what i thought that general docs was going to do with sylvie but now i don't know and and i don't know i'm i'm interested in what's going to happen with general docs but i have to say like that that hunter guy um i don't care about him i thought he was kind of annoying and um i i know he's been in the trailers and i think they're gonna like find his variant on earth because he's like an actor in the trailers like i don't i don't know if that's him going undercover or if that's his variant but um i don't know i'm just not interested in him yet he gave me Channing Tatum vine, uh, like vibes at first and i was trying to like i don't know i i have face blindness like trying to figure out who the actor was and i had to look it up um but it seemed like he was important i don't know we'll have to find out um okay so um now let's talk about we we mentioned this we mentioned the tva and the temporal loom um i want to get more into that because like as a piece of technology that was really cool and of course as we go into the room with this temporal loom there's a door and it's a very interesting door, um, especially if you're a fan of mutants. I don't know if you guys caught it. There's like, oh, I caught it. Yeah. yeah. So it's Three the door. X door. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I see the reference. I think I, I'm I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into it, but I thought it was neat. 
especially leading into what rumors were saying about the TVA and mutants moving forward. But you know, that was it was well done. I'll say that though. Yeah, I liked the door. I did not understand that it was the X Men door. Like, I think when when I first saw it, I thought I was kind of like, oh, like that's weird. Like, like the way they went into the door was weird, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking that. And then I got online, and everyone's like, oh my god, it's Cerebro. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess. Um, but I do think it's interesting with the way the TVA is rumored to pop up in certain things. And Can we talk think... about that? I assume Lizzie will cut this or ed- edit this if we're not allowed to talk about this. Uh, I, f- I think it's in the internet by now. Yeah, it it is in the internet by now. And the <laughs> and the director or no, the writer has been teasing it so hard. Because, you know, he was asked, do you think the TVA will show up in other places? And he's like, I think the TVA is the multiversal version of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it can pop up everywhere. And this is Sean and... Levy, the director, or? No, it was no, no, sorry, the writer of Loki. So okay. I think it's Derek, gotcha. Eric Martin. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like a recent interview that just came out a couple of days ago, like right before the premiere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, that's so interesting. Because the TVA being a multiversal version of S.H.I.E.L.D. sounds awesome. But then I'm like, are you guys forgetting that you need to lay the groundwork for that? Because where were they in Multiverse of Madness? They were supposed to be there and they were cut out. And, you know, like, where are they in something like Quantumania? And this is my biggest problem with the MCU right now, where I'm like, you are not ever going to be a multiversal version of S.H.I.E.L.D. if you only pop up in two Loki seasons and Deadpool 3. So I was going to say, I just I think it's really exciting if the TVA is going to be in Deadpool 3. But my problem when things aren't like planned super far in advance is that then it raises questions about where they were at other times. Because if the TVA is going to intervene in the multiversal shenanigans of Deadpool, why would they not do it for Wanda and Steven? So... I think Marvel writes themselves, um, like writes themselves, so they have a lot of freedom. So if they want to change things or add things, as as someone gets an idea or something's pitched later on, that they have that freedom to do it. Um, I do have a lot of questions about uh, the TVA being the multiversal equivalent of Shield because I always figured that Shield just had some back room somewhere where, you know, folks were monitoring the multiverse or something like that um, and keeping an eye on things. But I guess not. Um, so I think it raises a lot of questions. I, I thought that that was a little bit out of Shield's depth mm. because I think like they were barely touching space. Yep, that's and, true. And 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 again, not to complain, but like, there's no world building for like any arm of governmental organization monitoring space, right? Because we had Sword and Wandavision, <laughs> but then no Damage Sabres. Control is running around doing all this crap in all the other shows, and then now. There's the Saber space station in the Marvels, which doesn't seem to be sword or damage control. So I'm like, guys, what's going on here? Like one thing, just have sword. There's a lot of agencies with acronyms running around dealing with super powered people. I feel like after Captain America is going to get worse. Uh, Captain Captain America needs to tell me like if if superheroes are damage controls responsibility, swords responsibility or what? I'm like, just one... One organization, please just just merge just merge them. What um do you think that do you think the temporal loom is fixable? Do you think we're going to see it, you know, ultimately break down? Is it gonna be is the integrity of it gonna remain? What's the what are your predictions? 
I'm an optimist and I think it'll get fixed, but it ain't going to be so easy as you think it's going to be. Nothing's ever that easy to fix. Um, just be, And I say this only because we've seen that little clip of Loki time slipping into Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd assume he was fixed after the end of this first episode, but the trailer He's not, kinda, apparently. Yeah, but not not entirely. Oh, well, it's like step one of five or something. I don't know. But he's got a ways to go until he's going to be all set up and ready to go. But even then... I feel like there's going to be collateral damage from all the work they're going to have to do to the temporal loom. Like, come on now. If you keep messing with something and tapping on it, when it's very sensitive, it's going to break. I'm just saying. Collateral damage besides skin, question mark. (laughs) Well, I'm saying for the temporal loom itself, like the self-damaging within the system because of like messing with it. I mean, like, like, Opie freaked out when they were telling him, hey, there's power surges. And he's like, mm-hmm. excuse me? Like, that's. Yeah, I deal. I, I deal with a lot of machinery. You know, if you give it improper voltage or wattage or whatever, you will ruin it. It will not work. I, I have we have burned up motors like this can happen in this situation, too. <laughs> like people think these things are infallible. Things break. And so I want to see what happens if things really break, because OB is clearly going to be doing a lot. I think it's going to break because when Loki went into the future, like it seemed like stuff was really like going up. down. And there's also shots in the trailer of like these weird, like black squiggly lines. And I feel like that's kind of time and space, like pulling apart. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's what it is, but like, that's my theory. Mm-hmm. And and like Sylvie's there, and like I feel like Sylvie wouldn't be back in the TVA unless it was like really important. And obviously, someone pruned Loki when he wasn't looking, and that person clearly wanted to help him. So I don't know. I think that I think that the temporal loom is going to break in the finale, just because. How do you follow up the finale of season one, right? Yeah. With like letting the multiverse go free, like what if the multiverse breaks? I have a theory that uh, Sylvie got stranded there in the future in that bit somebody like dropped her off there interesting it could have been loki to protect her to come back for her or someone to damage her i don't know who do you um who do you guys think built the temporal loom i'd assume kang like everybody else okay i i can't see anything beyond that okay i'm sure there's an actual answer but um so do you know to go back a little bit um to to loki himself and to go back to that moment where mobius you know was outside at the loom and loki was waiting for till his little indicator turned green so he could get pruned and obviously he didn't have the time stick he couldn't prune himself there was a phone call um who do you guys think called him and who do you think pruned him I'm not sure about the call, but I think he pruned himself. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's kind of everyone's theory right now, that a future version of Loki pruned him, which, you know, I think that makes sense. As for the phone call, I just feel like we have no idea who it could be. I feel like it's someone Kang-related, like it's either Kang or like Miss Minutes or Rabona or something like that. Ooh, Miss Minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like because Miss Minutes wasn't in this episode. Where is Miss Minutes? That's well, a we great ta- question. We talked about her a little bit, or the the episode talked about her, right? They said that you can't trust her, right? Um, which we knew. 
Yeah. And I, I wonder if she has her own motives that. or if they're all for King. Because like now with him gone, who is she working for? Who's she doing well, stuff for? So I didn't really read reviews, but like I think I read like a little bit of one review, and someone said that Miss Minutes has like a much larger role this season than she did in the first. And there mm. is that shot in the trailer of her like becoming like that giant ghost, yeah. right? Yeah. And like I don't really think that Victor Timely has his own Miss Minutes. Like I think there's one <laughs> Miss Minutes that's yeah. serving all of the variants, right? So she that's knows the I deal. Mean, that's what I'm saying. Who's she gonna go work for? You know, like it's what's Timely doing? Yeah. So, so I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell what Miss Minutes is up to right now, but I'm excited to see more of her. And I also just, I love that, you know, like Mobius can't trust her anymore. And she's like the person that does everything in the TVA. So, yeah. I really felt for Loki though when he kept slipping between the different time zones or time months. Hey, Casey. Casey's like, who the hell are you? And then Casey, <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Wait, speaking of Casey, I think you wanted to mention something about the staying awake thing for Moon Knight. I did. You know, one of the things I really liked in this episode um, was just a little nod to Moon Knight because I feel like we never hear any more about Moon Knight. And I loved Moon Knight. And, um, you know, there's this podcast that he's listening to in, in Moon Knight to stay awake and obviously called staying awake because he's, you know, afraid of these different personalities and, and his his own DID. Um and Casey was also listening to the same podcast when, you know, he met Loki. Loki appeared, yeah. Yeah. In the past. It's a nice tiny little nod tying everything together. And I just want more. I did not notice that at all. So I'm going to have to go back and watch. <laughs> it, was, it was so small. It was just, you know, just a like a millisecond almost. Yeah. Wait, I wanted to ask you guys, was the picture really fuzzy for you? Like on your screen? like no. no like to me it had this kind of like grainy like artifacty look and i thought it was just me but it was like that on my phone on my ipad on my computer and it's like that in people's screenshots as well i think it was just cinematography like, and that's, I think so i'm wondering if it was like an intentional thing because it it made everything it, it wasn't like super crisp and clear and hd because it made everything feel like a little bit faker almost because it mm -hmm. had this like very slight grain over it Ooh. and i think it might only be like really evident on a larger screen uh but i don't know so i like i spent like i kept pausing it for at the start because i was trying to fix like my video because i thought that like it wasn't buffering properly were there but it's not that it was it's not that it was blurry it's not that my connection was bad because they mm -hmm. were like they were clear it's just that like the entire picture was like a little bit grainy were there any moments that you didn't notice that? Because if, if you know, if the graininess is indicating some of an illusion, and I'm thinking of like WandaVision and all of that now, like, is there any moment that in the episode that may have been real that was not? Um... I don't know. I don't think I noticed the graininess going away. Um, I kind of just figured it's because everything in the TVA is kind of retro that mm. they were trying to make it look a little bit retro but so it was like stylistic I didn't notice... yeah but i didn't notice this in season one so that's why i was like really confused and thought my maybe you could argue that it's interference from the damage that's going on because the power surges we maybe. will I'm find the, an in-world reason aesthetic for it. choice i don't know yeah i'm wondering if it's going to still be there in other episodes because like like i don't know if it was there in the end credit scene how about this watch the trailer and see if it looks the same to you still yeah i should you know but um 
So we've mentioned. I, Go ahead, Red. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it was neat that uh, the first episode had a post credit scene, like uh, you know, and it was quite long, showing Sylvie going up to McDonald's and getting the. It was a very clean McDonald's, and and, <laughs> and she wanted to try everything, and you know, it's just it's very retro, very cool. Um, and that was her only appearance, actually, in this in this episode, which was interesting. No, because she had the one word where right oh, before he gets pruned. Yep, the and the elevator. Yeah, but that was right. brief. Yeah. yeah. They introduced quite a few characters though in this. There's episode. a lot of stuff going on. Um, and yeah, you know, they're speaking, I guess, about the stone elephant in the room. We we've talked about it, but there were literally stone Kang statues in this episode. Um, do you guys so we didn't see Kang in person. We didn't see, you know, Jonathan Majors, the actor, in person in this episode. Um, obviously there's a lot of reference to his characters. What do you guys think about that? You know, what are we building towards here? I mean, he's prevalent in some way, shape, or form. If he's the founder of the TVA, I think his thumbprint is maybe not in a literal sense, but in some way embedded into the temporal loom. So, like, there, you can't not work on it and not have him involved one way or another. So, we know Victor Timely showing up for a couple episodes at least, and we're going to spend time at the World Trade Fair. And, but... I'm just trying to think back. That was back in, that was a year and a half ago. No, wait. When did Quantum Mania come out? My memory is getting bad. February 23, February. I think. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this year. <laughs> this so, year, apparently. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Um. So that's a pretty quick follow up from that post credit scene, which was kind of neat to like tie it back. But um. And we haven't even talked about that post credit scene, right? That you know is is pretty major leading into the season i mean it's a scene from loki we're gonna see yeah. it well, I'm, I'm assuming next week i don't I have no clue really i i I maybe episode three they got to find them eventually because like they when they show promos they only show stuff from like the first three episodes realistically yeah and the screeners they give out were only up to four so i don't i have no idea yeah, I'm just like I'm curious to know what the other kings are going to do about the TVA, like what Timely's interest in the TVA will be. Um, but I also know that like we're going to go back to He Who Remains the Citadel, right? We saw it in the trailer with his mm -hmm. dead body there, and that wasn't oh, in the right. first episode. That last moment. Yeah, like I kind of thought that, and that's something I just realized now. But I kind of thought that maybe we'd pick up with Sylvie there, like still sitting on the floor, and then like we'd see her leave. But instead, we just see her arrive at the place like after she left the Citadel. So I'm really curious as to know like why they would go back to the Citadel. And it was also reported that Jonathan Majors is playing both Victor Timely and He Who Remains and then potentially more variants of Kang. Mm -hmm. So he obviously did the voice for He Who Remains in episode one. Yes. But my question is like, is He Who Remains in this season as just like of not a flashback but like as like a dead body and maybe flashback and like i'm guessing voice recordings i'm thinking this flashbacks has to be or are they gonna dead. go to the future and meet him again but right? is anyone ever truly dead with time travel yeah because remember like like wouldn't he always end up back there like, wouldn't he always end up back at the end of time? Because he said, you know, like, there was a multiversal war between the kings. He harnessed Goliath. He ended it. And then he set up the TVA and ended up in his citadel. 
So with him dead and a multiverse of Kangs coming, isn't he going to be the one to harness Eliath and end up back at his Citadel? Like when he tells Sylvie that he's going to see her soon, does he mean that the other Kangs are going to be seeing her soon or that he who remains is going to be having this moment with Sylvie at the end of time again? I think he meant just that more variants were coming. I also thought he who he remains, just... in my opinion, is just dead. She stabbed him. I mean, he died, and then once she did that, the multiverse broke open, like he said was going to happen. I know he's a villain, but I can take him at face value from that long conversation because he was pretty transparent the whole time <laughs> with them. I'll be a kind of a dick, but you know, <laughs> but he was pretty think... honest because everything he said was ultimately true. He's like, I just had to do what I had to do. I I run this for this reason, and. So you kill me and now you're going to have to deal with you either, you know, let me off and just take the reins or the other option is multiversal war. So somebody's going to have to take control of the TVA and keep all these kings out. Yeah, that's or does just, the TVA it, I just think with I think with time travel, it's just interesting because, you know, like there can be loops, right? Like if future Loki pruned himself, then that's mm -hmm. a loop because right because future loki saved past loki but future loki wouldn't have been there to save past loki if and future loki hadn't proven him in the first place this like, is these are why... the kinds of things you get into with time loops <laughs> and so that's why i'm saying like like can the avengers really defeat a multiverse of kings or is king gonna have that's to defeat question. himself yeah this is why in star trek there's a temporal mechanics course and why they have you know their own version of the tva Star Trek did it first, and it made so much more sense. But I won't get into that. <laughs> I, will I will say that say it, is, it is. It was a very big point. Of, remember when the finale came out? A big point of contention was that conversation with Kang, and everybody had their own interpretation of it then. So I can only imagine how it's going to be this season with whatever we find out. Does and it make time? Sorry, I was just going to say time travel in the MCU. Like it wants to have its cake and eat it too, because the MCU is like all kinds of time travel right end game was like was oh we create branches and then mm -hmm. loki's like branched timelines and separate universes are like the same thing and then which i i think that makes sense but it's like it just keeps getting more and more confusing because now going into season two of loki we have time loops mm -hmm. and we also had time loops in agents of shield and people said agents of shield can't be canon because their time travel results <laughs> in a loop not a branch but loki's time travel results in both a branch and a loop so it's just it's it's just really interesting and i'm wondering if they're going to keep writing themselves into a hole or if it's going to become like a little bit more clear i think it's interesting at the end of the post-credit scene where it shows loki that it specifies that it's a branched timeline because <clears throat> they didn't do yeah. that before yeah that's a nice little divot there so i'm thinking like are we going to keep all branches and we're just going to have to specify that this is a branch timeline moving forward or are they going to start pruning again because it seems like they have to prune in some form or way otherwise everything's just going to mass fail well it sets right? up and a things are going to intersect and cause incursions yeah and it sets up mm -hmm. a conflict too though because um b15 i think was very much against you know causing the atrocity of the um pruning timelines yeah because you're essentially ending all these lives and i think that would be that's an interesting conflict moving forward between you know her who has been an ally up to this point with with loki and seeing what happens there um do we think that 
has this all become just really hard to understand? You know, because we're, we're going through time loops, we're going through branches and all of this. Do you think that Loki has appeal for just casual fans? Like, could you just watch this and enjoy it? Or do you need to be, you know, many movies, many episodes deep to really get your head around it all? Well, just the simple fact that it's a concept of policing time and space makes it a hard sell, you know, but for general Marvel fans, of course, they're going to eat it up because it's all low-key, one of the most beloved characters since phase one. And um, even I sometimes have to like take a moment and like chart it out to make sure I'm fully understanding the flow of things. And luckily, there's a lot of people who do a good job of, you know, explaining it and break down. But Christ, the fact that sometimes I need that is a little frustrating. <laughs> I agree. I think it can be hard to follow. I think general audiences are clearly invested in Loki because season one is like the most watched Marvel Disney Plus show. Yeah. And but I just I don't know how many I, I don't know how much of it the general audience is understanding because like my mom is a general audience member. She watches all this Marvel stuff with me because I like it. And I have not been able to watch Loki with her. We tried like three times and we never finished season one. And she just like cannot understand like the time travel stuff. And she doesn't like Loki enough to like to get through it for him. You know, like I think a lot of people are watching it because it's Loki. But like if this concept was done with any other character... Do we really think that people would be watching it? I if it was a new character, not. no. Yeah. But that's the thing. They knew banking on Loki was the big sell. Because everybody walking out of in not everybody, handful of people walking out of in-game, let's be realistic, were saying, Hey, that thing about Loki walking off with that Tesseract is kind of like gonna be a that's thing. a thread that needs yeah. to be followed. And they did great. Like, I mean, the announcement was big and and everybody was happy to see him thinking. Oh, we get scumbag Loki again, the first one we fell in love with. So it it's very obviously propelled by the fact that we have Tom Hiddleston. Not a bad thing. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Not it's not a bad thing because that's right. that's awesome. You're like, hey, they like him. Let's give them that. I mm -hmm. mean, like, I want more Miss, I want another season of Miss Marvel because I like the character so much. Absolutely. I'm excited about Miss Marvels or about the Marvels because she's in it. Like that, that. I think it shows yeah. you again that casting really, really matters. And I think when Marvel, you know, signed Tom Hiddleston, they just like didn't got an amazing thing. They made such a great decision and he made a great decision by signing with them. Right. Because I can't imagine any, even though we've had the variants, even though we've had yeah. um, in, in Loki itself, the, the other characters, like I can't imagine anyone else playing him. Like he is, yeah. he is Prime Loki. Loki. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's such a charming actor and he's just got this like natural charisma, even when he's being bad that you want, like you want to watch him on screen. And that's such yeah. an, such an underrated thing. Um, when people talk about TV and movies, what's one of y'all's and... favorite Loki scenes, like hands down was one oh. of Avengers when he goes into the theater and takes the dude's eye out and he just, just he so was... casually doesn't. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this movie. And that was early on. <laughs> I love Loki, man. How can you not like him? Um, it's not that I don't like him. It's just I'm that kidding. Oh no, let's okay. Let's hear it. Is this gonna? Be, it's, I, no, I'm it's ready. just that Loki. Loki peaked in Avengers one, and I do not care about the TV show version of Loki at all. I didn't like oh. him in season one because mm -hmm. I thought like what where he went in like Ragnarok was interesting, right? Becoming he was still like 
a wily trickster, but Mm -hmm. he was losing his edge, right? And I think for good reason. He had also lost, like, his family and achieved his life's dream only to realize that it was too much work. And so I kind of liked the Ragnarok version of Loki. And in Loki season one, I was not vibing with, with our main variant of Loki because I'm like... You just sped run all of his character development by having him watch the MCU movies he appeared in. <laughs> and I thought that the writing was really sloppy to make him like from a pure villain to kind of more similar to that Ragnarok Loki, even though he isn't that version. And he hasn't gone through I, it. He hasn't. Yeah. And I do feel like things. he's, I feel like he's lost all of his edge. Like in season one, everyone kept talking about what a trickster he was and what a backstabber he was. But I never once believed for a second he was going to backstab anybody mm-hmm. because all he was doing was like following people around crying, which yep. is fine. Like he's he's out of his depth. But like Mobius was like, you're a trickster. And Sylvie was like, you just want a throne. And I'm like, this man has been following you around like a lost puppy across the universe. Why do you think <laughs> he'd betray you? And so that was my biggest problem with season one is just that I didn't care about the main character, but I liked everything else. And I actually liked Sylvie the best in season one because she's the Loki that has that edge to her, that has Mm -hmm. that bite that Hiddleston has just completely lost. And I don't really feel that way going into season two. I still don't think he has any bite to him, but I think from the trailers, it looks like he might be getting a little bit of that back. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's not even that. It's just, this is what I mean when I'm saying season two, like, I didn't care about Loki in season one because of these things that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But just based on the trailers for season two, I'm excited because he was out of his depth in season one, but now he's really out of his depth and he's scared. And that's something that we haven't seen from Loki before. Cause in season one, he was maybe like scared. He was of confused the power and scared. The mm-hmm. Yes. But now he's like terrified of a person more powerful than him. Yeah. Well, he's and... also even more scared because he's learned so much. Think about it. For him, it was confusing. And it was like, well, I don't really understand this. I'm not a big, you know, I I can't grasp the concept. And it's it's this big thing, these timekeepers. But now that he's pulled back the full facade, he understands exactly what's happening. The level of the threat, the dude's even more scared than before. Do you think yes, now he has and... something to lose? Where like his because he's obviously got very strong feelings for Sylvie and I I think he has stuff to lose with like Mobius right because people point Mm -hmm. out like Mobius is his first friend yeah and I think that that's really true and and again like this is just what you can do with the second season and more episodes you can take things that you built in season one that maybe people like me didn't like but you take them in a new direction because in in this in this first episode of season two i already like loki more than i did in season one and like i'm saying based on the trailers like i thought that it was a powerful moment to end sylvie on having achieved her life's goal and realizing that it didn't fulfill her you know i thought it was a strong moment to leave her crying on the floor of the citadel and then the fact that what she does after that is she goes to 1980s america and gets a job at mcdonald's to me, that is just so perfect, like that concept. And and like you can't do these things if you only get a six episode limited series, you know? And so I that's why I'm very optimistic about the future of Loki. And but we I, have... I do think that. Sorry, so I will ahead. say that there are six episodes in this season, right? And I think the ending is timed to the the first day the Marvels comes out. Yes. Um, which is stupid. Same night. <laughs> unless they all tie in 
it it drops at 9 p.m. Eastern at the same time the Marvels comes out and Showtime's for the Marvels starts at like what 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. who yep. is going like we know people I, I, who would totally do that I know plenty of people yeah. who are exactly doing that and they can't no, no, wait I'm, they're taking I'm, the day I'm off definitely I'm definitely watching both but like so, me... like for me I I'm I'm Pacific right so my Marvel Showtime start at like 5 Pacific so yeah. and loki comes out at six pacific so i'm gonna go oh, watch, you can watch when you go home yeah yeah but then like i would like to watch the loki finale when it drops and i also think it's absolutely freaking ridiculous that the reason for the delay for all the shows at the start of the year were, were that we want to space out the projects and give them room to breathe and i'm like and then you're releasing <laughs> literally the overlapping them on there. the same day yeah. as the marvels not the same week because most of the Disney Plus shows have ended the same week as a movie, but the same day. I'm like, you guys need to get your head out of your ass. And, and they also like, start started it right after out. Ahsoka ended, two days later. Started two days. It's ridiculous. And I'm sure that it's just because of production delays. Yeah. And like, and they need to just like get these things out and they can't delay them forever. But I'm like, like, not not skip a week, but then move Loki to Wednesday that week. They loved doing that. Like they, yeah. they would move the days of some episodes. So mm-hmm. sorry for the well, little one last thought I have about Loki is this. With a lot of the Marvel shows, I'm always frustrated with that one episode we got. I'm just like, why couldn't this be like a two episode premiere for the first time mm-hmm. ever? I've gotten a premiere and I'm like, yep, I'm good. I'm satisfied. It was great because like I went themed. I went green everything. I had broccoli cheddar soup, green tea and a key lime <laughs> pie slice at the end. Wow. I mean, I went all out. I was like, you got to do it. You, you know, got to go green. Do you, um, do either of you have any really big predictions moving forward for things that you haven't said yet um, that you think we're going to see play out or that you think we are going to get answers to? I'm just along for the ride. I don't really know <laughs> what to theorize at this point. You know, like, I don't know how Kang plays into everything. But, you know, like my theory was that we were going to get some Kang and Ravona stuff and then we have that confirmed in the first episode. So I'm just I'm I'm just waiting to see what we get. They've won me. I'm back. curious if uh, this is mine. I'm well, prediction that they like season one, they they throw out that there's a season three or that this will carry on and blah, 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 blah. Title card. That's my 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 prediction. Crazy title card add on saying Loki will return in blank. That's there's your prediction right there. Loki will return in Deadpool three or some shit. They'll say something mm. like that. There you go. That's my prediction. <laughs> they're gonna say the TVA will return in Deadpool three. That's and then and something, except they're something. not gonna say Deadpool three. They're gonna say you know how um, our fellow writer Alex has been teasing online that the movie is gonna be called Deadpool and Wolverine something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're gonna reveal the title of Deadpool three in the in the like title card that says the tva will return in like name of deadpool movie and there the you next go day they'll tweet i love that i love that and will Absolutely. we get a trailer at the end of the marvels then for the next are we that far no. along with production no no or imagine if there was a clip of deadpool deadpool hasn't finished filming and then also but they did film I, something because you they know filmed they're, they, they filmed a lot stuff, but but i don't i don't like it when post-credit scenes are trailers just clips when, they're, or something else. when they're just clips from other movies i think it's like i think it's okay but mm-hmm. i definitely prefer unique post-credit scenes but when they're trailers like how no way home's second end credit scene was the multiverse of madness trailer yeah. it's it's only cool for that one week that it's one not time cool for mm-hmm. yeah, you know? yeah like when you watch it on like, disney plus you're like 
<laughs> yeah, thanks. Cool. Forward I know. I've seen it three times now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and even and even clips from other movies are still cool because you know, like, because they have exclusivity for like a year, right? Mm-hmm. Like we saw Loki at the end of Quantumania, and then now we're getting the show, and we're getting the show now. But like, if you go back and rewatch Quantumania five years from now, which I don't know why you <laughs> torture yourself with that, you're still going to be like, wow, that post credit scene was so cool. Because even though it's just a clip from Loki, that's what told you that Victor Timely was coming, and that's the yeah. first time Loki was on the big screen in four years. So, yeah, you're right. So I just, I don't want trailers at the end of movies. All right. Well, I think we're going to end on that note. Um, It's been, it's been a really lovely conversation and thank you all for listening to the Cosmic Circle, the official podcast of thecosmiccircus.com. Where can people find you both? At Rodova underscore on Twitter. (laughs) It will always be Twitter. It's not going to be X. Always I'm be sorry. Twitter, yeah, it's it's still Twitter. Um, I am at Golden Ninja Three Thousand on all social media platforms. And you can find and I'm T U L A N writes on Twitter. And you can find everything we've talked about, everything we've written at thecosmiccircus.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll hear you next or see you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.